Hello and welcome to Good Gab, the podcast that brings good people together to talk about the good things they're doing in the Spokane community. My name's Steve McBride and I'm your host today. But more importantly, in today's episode, we'll talk to Eric Etzel, Senior Broker at Choice Realty and 2022 President of the Spokane Association of Realtors. We're going to explore our current real estate market in the Spokane region. And Eric, just thank you so much for joining us today. Sure, I'm glad to be here. Heck yeah. Well, hey, what's happening in the Association of Realtors? What, what do you guys do? Well, the Spokane Association of Realtors is essentially a trade organization representing realtors and affiliate members. We are affiliated with Washington Realtors and the National Association of Realtors. We uh, are advocates for home ownership and private property rights. That's our primary purpose. Uh, our goals are, and values are to engage our membership, to increase their education and knowledge about the real estate market, and be an advocate of home ownership for the community. Well, yeah, it's just a great purpose. I'm curious, what what's the association's uh, take on infill right now in Spokane? I know that the city council just, uh, you know, passed some ordinances that we can now, you know, build townhomes and you know smaller footprint houses. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. That is a that's a topic that our association and our government affairs director and our government affairs committee has been active over the last few years in trying to educate the city, the city council, and working with the planning department of the city of Spokane to help alleviate what is truly a housing crisis. Um, and we've been very active in that and we're very pleased that the city made the changes that they did unanimously. So all seven council members voted for that um, and I, that won't be an immediate fix for the housing crisis but it'll definitely help in the long run and so by helping it's because in my mind it's just the density we can get a little more density we don't have to expand utilities things of that nature um, that seems like it's good for a city yes it is good for a city and with the growth management act not being able to go outward we either need to go inward or go home, so to speak. <laughs> uh, not go home, not have a place to go. So this will, one of the big concerns for a lot of people as well, they won't, uh, we don't want those in our neighborhood or we don't want that in our neighborhood. Um, that's many of the neighborhoods that are established that don't have, if there are no lots available, uh, then they don't have to worry about that. This just gives an opportunity to use infill as a, and the vacant lots, lots underutilized lots to be able to to utilize those and and build housing. Yeah, it makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I'm just excited to see you know what the development community does with that. I know some of our listeners like that we hear about is these young people who are you know starting to have families and they want to be able to buy a house in Spokane is this kind of uh, movement helpful for affordable housing I think it will definitely it will help um, 
I think that one of the bigger challenges that we face is the the rising costs of homes for those the young people that are looking to buy, as well as the uh, increase in interest rates. But what this would do, uh, we've seen over the last few years a big majority of, of younger people moving back in with parents and or um, parents moving in with kids, uh, people moving into the area to be with family. This and some other things that we're working on, the accessory dwelling units, will help to ease that a little bit. Okay, can you expand upon that a little bit, the accessory dwelling units? So we're talking about like multi-generational families just living together? Yes, that would be, we're seeing more of that. And there are some pretty strict rules when the city of Spokane, and even stricter in Spokane County, with regard to accessory dwelling units, as far as what they can be used for, uh, typically, as in with the county, the accessory dwelling unit, or what was referred to as a mother-in-law or in-law setup, uh, that had to be a family member. And that also, so when the family member no longer was living in that accessory dwelling unit, then they had to either tear it down or remove water and sewer from it or remove cooking and appliances from it to basically decommission it. And the owner, the, they had to be an owner, the, the, that they had to own the property that they were building this accessory dwelling unit for. And that's still a rule with regard to the city. It, it had to be owner occupied. That, and so they're making some changes Hopefully that will be passed with regard to not just having owner occupants um, and in-laws and also the, the size. In other words, being able to utilize some lots for an accessory dwelling unit that can provide some housing, whether that be for a family member or a non-family member. And there are certain areas where of town where that might be around the Gonzaga area or other parts of town where those could potentially be used as rentals for rental housing. It's the rental market. Yeah. We talk about, we're not just as realtors, sir, we advocate for home ownership and private property rights as our number one issues, but we also recognize that what happens with the rental market, because many of our realtors are property managers or right. we own our own rental properties, that we're concerned with what the rising rents have done and the affordability of rising rents also the availability of rents which causes rents to go up so if if some accessory dwelling units or as we were talking before infill with the ability to put a duplex a triplex or if, if it was could be done a, a fourplex would allow for additional housing and help keep that rental market uh, so that enough people have places to go to rent well, it makes sense. Like our community continues to expand rapidly. Uh, just you know, from your perspective, you know, you you're part of your brokerage. Where are people coming from? Sure, I, you know, I, I think people are coming from all over. Um, I, I, we primarily, uh, from what I've seen with my clients, the majority that are moving in are moving in from 
Oregon and, and Washington. So in other words, they're looking for a better place to live with the with it not being required that you live and work in the same community. Um, we've seen, I've seen as far as my clients, a number of, of Western Oregon, Western Washington, um, and all over the country uh, that generally the draw from all over the country would be if they have some familiarity here uh -huh. uh, or they have some family here or if they're looking to get out of wherever they are and looking for a better place to, to go when they look around the United States we're, Spokane's still an awesome place to be. Uh, I, in my career working with, with clients I, you know, and talking a little bit more about people that are moving into the area they may have some family ties, but if they don't have family ties, it's interesting. I have a lot of folks that I've worked with over the years that at some point in their Air Force career, they were stationed at Fairchild. Right. And they realize that at some point when I retire or when I'm no longer active duty, or if I'm no longer active duty, I get into the public sector and I'm working that someday we want to retire in Spokane because it was such a great place when we were stationed here. So I do see a lot of that as well. And how long have you been in this business? So this is my 32nd year as a realtor. Oh, so you just, you've seen this community change. I've seen a lot of changes in, in real estate and over the years and a lot of changes in the community. One thing that's always been, been an advantage to Spokane is that it's always been affordable. Right. And while we can say that, and we, and it has, it's gotten less affordable for many local people. But when you look at affordability nationwide, we're still a pretty affordable place to be. And when it comes to Washington State, we're still, and Oregon, Washington, California, Western United States, we're still a pretty pretty affordable place. And if you combine that with recreational opportunities, this is a fantastic place to be. Well, it seems like local wages are starting to, you know, catch up a little bit here. And um, yeah, so I, I think that they have. Uh, one statistic that I heard at a, a regional housing forum uh, back in February, a couple of the alarming statistics, but uh, with regard to the affordability that just a few years ago, um, about 75% of the population could afford a house in the Spokane area in North Idaho. Now, 54% in the Spokane area can afford the median priced home, and it's even worse in North Idaho, closer to 25%. Whoa, that is the a lot. Prices have really gone up across the border in, in Idaho. Um, and that's one of the other, uh, I'll stick with that for a second, uh, in, in that same forum, when they were talking about who's moving to, to Idaho, and then if they can't find something they want in Idaho, then maybe they're moving to the Spokane area. Uh, the number one state where people were moving to North Idaho was Washington. The number two state was California, and number three state was Oregon. 
So those are the top three states for people moving in to North Idaho. So same kind of thing. So the, the coast kind of is just moving inland. And we have people, and you know, interestingly, we have some folks moving out. Uh, this last year, well, just within the last few months, two of my clients have decided that they want to move to a more conservative area than the Spokane area. So that somebody moved to Alabama, and another client's moved to Tennessee. Two things, affordability there, as well as politics. But well, that's wild. Yeah, well, people kind of get to yeah make the decisions where they want to be. And how's interest rates affecting things right now in the market? The interest rates are, are have affected the market, and those folks that are that have perhaps had to readjust with the price of the home that they can afford. Uh, I had in the first house I bought back in the early 1980s, it was in Oregon where I grew up, uh, was at 19% interest. Of course, the house was only $22,500, but uh, my first house in Spokane that we bought, um, was we held out and waited till it just got below 10%. So most of my early career in real estate, interest rates were always had been above where they're at now. Right. Uh, and it's only in the last few years that we saw them go as low as they went. And I'm not sure if we'll see that. But the interest rates have definitely had an effect on, on buyers. I think that there's a lot of buyers who expect that they'll continue to rise. So they've been anxiously looking to buy a house now before they go up even further. Interestingly, with the last week's raise of three quarters of a percent in the Fed rate. Certainly didn't. Yeah, you'd yeah, think not that directly tied to it. There is a propensity when the Fed raises the interest rate, that, and that was part of what caused the initial increase, but uh, interest rates actually adjusted a little bit. But they're still above uh, nearly double what they were a year or more ago. Right. Yeah, I, I know, you know, in my neighborhood, it seems like the activity is slowing down. But how, yeah. what does it look like around the region? So around the region, we one of the bigger, probably one of the bigger numbers that has, a, that has affected that would be the housing inventory. Uh, we have at least twice the number of homes available for sale this year at this time than we did a year ago. And that twice, about twice, yeah. yes. And we have gone this spring from having a 10 to 15 day supply of homes to now having almost a nine week supply of homes. What's normal for around here? Like a, you know, a month supply, two months, six months? What's healthy? Yeah, I guess it, statistically in the past, um, a two to three month supply of homes had been average. Um, what what we're seeing, I think, is is it's 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 been a seller's market for quite some time. It's not a buyer's market by any means, but it's swung back to where you might consider it to be more of a neutral market. Okay. There are more homes available, uh, and it, the market times have increased. With that, the 
prices have decreased a little bit. Uh, part of the, so I'm looking more at, at what the actual price changes have been. I'll share those numbers with you now. Uh, from, from May to June, the price, the, so we're looking at the median price of a home in Spokane. It, from May to June, the price dropped about 2.2%. From June to July, end of July, dropped 4.4%. So nearly twice what they had done from May to June. Now, from June to June, it's still up year on over year, it's still up 7%. Oh, wow. It's but significant. It's, but, but it's getting closer to, to, to evening things out. Um, and that, what we've seen in our, as, as realtors, what I'm seeing are a lot of price decreases. And not so much that that means that housing prices are dropping any significant number. I just mentioned what the median price had dropped in the last couple of months. But a tendency of sellers who now might be coming into the market late saying, wow, I wish I would have put it on the market three to five months ago or, or what have you, uh, they're still holding out for a price that's higher than what they can reasonably expect. Now, I don't necessarily blame a seller for wanting to get all they can oh, sure. for their home. I usually look at that being, that's up to the realtor to lead, guide, and protect their seller and give them the best advice. And maybe that's on the realtor for not being able to advise their seller on proper pricing for the changing market. So we've seen some price drops. Um, and that's, that, that's helpful to, so in, the recent months, uh, in you know the last you know, January through through May, might put a house on the market, have 10, 15, 20 showings, end up with five to 10, 12 offers, selling significantly above the asking price. As we got deeper into the spring, and there, uh, then maybe less showings less offers but still selling for more than asking price. So a number of buyers were bumped out, not able to buy the house they wanted. Now that's opened up a little bit, so there's opportunity for buyers who were being beat out before, maybe couldn't offer as much as they wanted, or they were looking at utilizing an FHA or a VA loan and maybe needing some help with their buyer's closing costs. Maybe they have a house to sell, contingent upon selling that house or buy your house. They didn't have any chance in the world of, of beating a buyer who was either ready with cash or had already sold their home and was ready to, to buy with a conventional loan. So there's now an opportunity for those buyers to, to be in the market. Yeah, shoot, they just couldn't even participate for years, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it is frustrating. Uh, I think we also saw a little buyer burnout. Tell us more about that. Well, I, I, so an example would be I had a client in 2021. I uh, started working with them in March of 2021, a VA buyer referred to me by some good clients uh, moving to the area. 
this last destination was Oklahoma, came to work for an architectural firm here in Spokane. Between March and October, we made offers on at least 13 homes. Oh. And it was getting to where it was like, wow, I don't even know if I want to go look at houses anymore. Uh, as we got closer, it was like, well, I might need to, I might need to go ahead and sign a lease and we'll see what happens next year. Uh, but fortunately, that 13th house, we, so we made an offer on the 13th house, uh, thought that we had a pretty good in uh, on that particular house. We ended up getting beat out. <laughs> The emotional component yeah, so as a buyer. got beat out, but the other buyer that they put in um, decided in the home inspection that they got kind of got cold feet and decided to get out, so he was able to get into the house. But that's an example of, you know, continually making offers and getting beat out. It's, it's an emotional component and, and wears on you. But so fortunately, I, was able to get him successfully into a house. Not everybody was able to get into a house last year. Um, had some instances where if they did have a house to sell, we would check and see if the seller would be open to looking at a contingent offer. And in the beginning, they say, yeah, if it made sense. But then when it came down to it, when you're competing with non-contingent offers, sellers would rather take the one in the hand versus two in the push, so it's sure the, thing. The sure thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just from a realtor's perspective, from your business perspective, how do you handle clients like that who just keep missing out? Well, I think that I think a lot of it has to do with you as a realtor uh, and being a being. I look at my job as sort of a sheepdog. Uh, I'm here to help lead and protect my clients, both buyers and sellers, uh, to be realistic with them. And going into it with the idea that it, it may be a challenge. We may have to make several offers. I've had to change that tune from, oh, you know, maybe by the third or fourth or fifth, out, sixth or seventh or eighth out, eventually. But, but I, think it's, I think it's our job as realtors to be realistic and honest with our buyers and keep them motivated uh, and to be open and honest with them and encourage them that the next, you know, a lot of times, in my, I believe, and so I've been able to share this with my clients, the right house is out there for us. And it may take a little extra time, but hopefully we'll agree that that third, fifth, seventh or eighth offer, wow, we did get the house that we wanted. In other words, there was a reason why we didn't get those other houses. And try yeah. to keep them as positive as you can. I'm not saying that it happens with everybody. <laughs> uh, for a while I had quite a good track record, I thought of, of, of with, in this changing market, making multiple offers where they would generally, my buyers would generally tell me, boy, I'm glad we didn't get those other three houses because this is you know, it's got a bigger yeah. shop, or it's got more bedrooms, or it's got it, it just a better neighborhood, or boy, I, I don't feel bad. So I did have one client where I was kind of ran that a little bit further. I said, so it was the eighth house. 
got the eight house and I said and I said, so was it as I was expected when we got into this that you're glad that we didn't get the other houses because this is the house that you wanted? And she said, right, right, frankly, well, I'm just glad we got a damn house. <laughs> yes, there were yeah. a couple others that we would have rather have, but at least we got a yeah, we got a roof got over our house. <laughs> and uh, so it, I think keeping your being honest and upfront and encouraging your your buyers and same with encouraging your sellers I the the change in the market has affected the last couple of properties that I've listed and we've had to make some price adjustments even though I'd like to consider uh, myself to be a pretty good one to to price a home but generally it comes down to price I've in the 32 years that I've done this I've tried to look at other factors but I think the root of uh, of it is actually the price to compensate they always say location 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 or whatever you well maybe that location means we have to price it a certain way but price is what it really boils down to also saying well what would be the what would be the worst case scenario if we did take an offer contingent upon somebody else selling their house uh, so looking at uh, other ways of keeping the ball moving forward well yeah when people are signing the dotted line and it's you know one of the biggest purchases you know they may yeah. make it price is important and i think that's one of the things that, that i've noticed in in my peers and that i've if the, we we want to be able to put ourselves into the shoe of the buyer and the seller i've done this enough over the years that you could say I've become pretty numb to certain things and yet I have to continue to make myself aware of what are they thinking right uh, and yeah I'm used to all this and uh, but I need to make sure that I put myself into their shoes and what are they thinking tonight what's keeping them up all night uh, worrying about getting an offer on their house or worrying about whether they're going to get their offer accepted and and just being cognitive of that. I know, I'd certainly appreciate that. Yeah, that kind of partnership, you know, it's someone I'm trying sure. to do business with. Well, and I try to, that's, I guess, something that I want to be a team, always refer to it as our offer. I feel like I'm I'm representing them. I, it's to, uh, we're making an offer on the house. We're selling your house. We're in this together. Well, yeah, I just... About clients are lucky to have you. Well, I <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think so. Well, so you have 31 years of experience. So you, you've seen our market. You know what's going on. You have a crystal ball. What do you see? What's coming in the next year? Two well, years. I, I, do, I do believe that we'll see a leveling off of the, in more of a, of a neutral market. A lot of people have talked about a housing bubble or but the bubble bursting and prices going down and I don't see that uh, I don't I often would say that unless we have uh, another 9-11 or another major disaster or like a pandemic no, you know in the past I said that unless we had some complete economic failure or some huge a crisis of some kind I I don't know that what we'd see an absolute collapse of the housing market 
what caused the housing bubble and burst were the the liberal lending and the, the it was really a mortgage crisis versus right. a housing crisis back in 2007-8. So I don't see that happening. I do see us returning to a more normal market for Spokane, and that would be a larger inventory of homes available for sale um, and more opportunities for for buyers to make offers on those homes. It's going to take a while for any new construction. We're, we're so far behind on having enough homes available for people to buy that that's not going to that's not going to change anytime soon. That's a whole nother issue with regard to why we have such low inventory of new homes. Um, that's been going on for years as, uh, as far as not having enough skilled labor, land, lumber, and, and all the things that help build the neighbor available to build houses. Yeah. So I don't see, so, a, I, I just I see a, a more leveling market, more neutral market, a, a leveling of interest rates, whatever that interest rate being, but I don't see any kind of a major catastrophe in the home in our region. Well, I think our listeners would uh, maybe breathe a sigh of relief <laughs> knowing that it's a still a good time to get in. You know, the young professional out there who's just, they're ready, like, they don't have to be in fear of something happening. That's true. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, what else would you like our listeners to know? Well, I think that it's important that they know that they can look to a realtor in the Spokane area to help them. There is a difference between, we call ourselves realtors, meaning that we are members of our local, state, and national association of realtors. We prescribe to a code of ethics, uh, and that's, that's important, that they look to a professional to help them with their buying and selling. I guess that's what I want everybody to know and also know that as as realtors in our association we're looking to protect private property rights advocate for home ownership and we have been the last few years gotten involved in in local politics primarily those candidates that we endorse and pick are those that we believe and through the, either through their track record or we believe from what they, if they're new to the political game, that they have done the best job of, of helping support homeownership and private property rights. They're really, they're realtor candidates for that reason, um, primarily. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we You're just welcome. appreciate your time here and... Yeah, Eric, um, yeah, thanks. So stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking with good people doing good things. We're taping this podcast in the newly renovated and beautiful downtown Spokane Library and their new production studio on the third floor. 
GoGab is sponsored by Skillskin, a community-based nonprofit organization that provides employment services to adults with disabilities, helping them grow and thrive within the community. Eric, again, we can't thank you enough. Just thank uh, you. Awesome time. I know our listeners learned a whole bunch. And yeah, it's great to know you. Yeah. <laughs>